Wouldn't it be just great if we could just go like that and just wipe total every vestige of religion out of our life? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's where my heart is right this moment. Not even being able to spell the word. Yes, yeah. yes. Oh, I'm just so full at the moment, I think I'll sit down. <laughs> so I want you to know a couple things. I am previewing a book called Setting a Trap for God. Setting the what? Setting a Trap for God. And it's a, the Aramaic, Aramaic prayer of Jesus. And if you want to realize how messed up <laughs> the Western church is, <laughs> this book... <laughs> Will convince us even more. <laughs> and Popovich made a comment last night, and I about fell off my chair this morning when I heard it, because I believe this. I've been for for weeks. I've come to this conclusion now. The original the Gospels were written in Aramaic, then they were transferred or translated into Hebrew, and then translated into Greek, and then translated into Latin, and then translated into English. And every single time, the translator's perspective warped how it was translated. And so we don't have, I mean, this, this, this author's propositions, we don't have an accurate translation of the, of the Gospels unless you go back and translate from Aramaic. Right. And then you still have a translate potential for a translator's bias. But what he did in this book, and I'm going to give you two, two insights. One, when I say the kingdom of God, what do you think kingdom means? I think about a kingdom, I think about like a country or a, yeah. a nation, or those old-fashioned terms that were yeah. called a kingdom. Yeah, but you know what it, it means in Aramaic? What? It means the sovereignty of God in our hearts and our minds, guiding and directing our thoughts. <laughs> huh? There you go. Every time I see the word kingdom, just like every time I see the word sin, I have to say... Uh, Fallen mindset of separation from God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So repeat that definition. Yeah. It's the, so it's the sovereignty of God expressing itself through his presence and influencing our, our mind, our hearts, our thoughts, so that we live out a life of oneness is essentially what it means. Holy it's not geography. And I'm sitting there going, okay. <laughs> and and he quotes from Leo Tolstoy in this book. How many of you know who Tolstoy was? All right, so here's, here's a quote from Tolstoy, which would be heretical in most churches today in this town. The chief matter is not whether Jesus was God or from whom descended the Holy Ghost or when and why by whom was a certain gospel written or if it may not be attributed to Christ. But the light itself is of importance to me that it still shines upon me after 1,800 years with undim brightness. But how to call it or what it consists, who gave it existence, is immaterial to me. Tolstoy just swept the entire religious structure away with one hand. And there's a freedom in, step, in stripping that away. Whew. Mm. And maybe that's part of my unsettledness is, is a greater desire for more freedom right now. 
and the mm. critics be damned. <laughs> not literally, but... That's not possible. Yeah, it's not possible, yes. So anyway, I just throw that out because I think we're going to do this book in January. It might only take about four weeks. So we're going to do this in January. And I can say it only take about four weeks. But I just think it's important that we understand that our English translations really slant truth. And here we go again. Yeah. So are there any translations that are from the Aramaic? I actually bought a New Testament. Um, there, is a, there is a guy named Lambda that has put out the Aramaic translation of the New Testament. And I bought that and I'm reading through that right now. Because what happens is we lose, we lose the concept of the idiom, the, you know, the colloquialism, if, however you want to say it. Yeah, and he, they, they put the idiom, the sense of the idiom, back into the text. And, and so I, I think some of that is what we're going to cover in the next few weeks too, as we 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 look at the historic the historical timeline in a sense of eternity to now and to the future. We've 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 we have to bring in more of the cultural understanding. That's what I want to do. So culture was culture was really different. It, yeah. 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 Barbarian ways. I mean it was pagan. It was there was there was so much influence from uh, I mean, they did not have text messaging. Come on. You know, it's like you have to realize that this yeah. stuff got passed from person to person and Yeah. Literacy and, and, was I mean, it's just we are we have no clue. We think the church is this pristine little theology in a box that if you figure this puzzle out then you figured out God and God is a mystery yeah and and that that takes us to most plan too is is somewhere we somewhere in that mystery we have a, we have a part and and it doesn't have to be defined as this little narrow box it can be huge because he's the god of infinite possibilities so that's that's kind of a preview of some things to come, and to the extent that you guys, your hearts are drawn to a more a more accurate interpretation of Scripture. It's not just literal, even in the Aramaic. It's not just literal, but there's there's a moral component, but then there's also a metaphysical component. And and when we reject the metaphysical, we reject the part of ourselves because we are spirit beings. I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and listen to that one again. <laughs> <laughs> well, and isn't isn't a large part of this what's going on in our culture today is about rejection of self and others, and part of it is we have rejected a portion of ourself as a spirit being. When we disconnect or disallow for the aspect of our spirit, our spirit being, then we have rejected a primary part of who we are, and therefore we're going to conflict with ourselves. And if we're in conflict with ourselves, we're going to be in conflict with others. That's true, though. <laughs> okay, God, what are you doing to me today? <laughs> right. I'm going to have a hand up over there. Hi, Norman. So, I've been watching you know, different church. Because they had a thing for the last thing with attitude of gratitude, and they gave out of this paper, and you put down three things each day for 26 days. So I watched them this morning to see what the hell they're going to add on to this today. They made a comment on there. God is always moving towards you. And I, no, that's wrong. God is here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And then it reminds me why I come here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, and Mike, I, you got... You gotta love Mike because he was saying last night, you know, yeah, if you, you know, wake wake up and just write ten things you're grateful for. And the first thing was, I love the smell of coffee. I'm grateful for the smell of coffee. Yes, you know, just just a practical part of life. You know, and God says so do I. And God says so do I. If you love it, I love it, right? So as I just sort of free flow here, let me give me some help, Lord. I, I want to I want to talk about a comment Greg made. I post um, there, if you go back and listen to October thirty first, which is Halloween, that's the teaching Greg did, and, and he makes a comment in there. He does it deliberately. I know he did it to, because he said, "I'm going to throw this hand grenade and I'm going to let the pastor clean it up." <laughs> <laughs> But, but he throws a hand grenade into the concept of quantum and co-creativeness. And, and his statement was, if God created everything and rested on the seventh day, then what is there left for us to co-create? I want to talk about that. Because if the conclusion is nothing, I think we're in trouble. Why does he think that God created everything? Oh, he doesn't explain. Well, he said, because it says, in, on the seven, you know, God created everything on the first six days, and then he, then he rested. And I have two problems, or multiple problems, but number one, just because God rested doesn't mean he isn't moving around working in people's lives, okay? Exactly. I mean, if rest means the absence of further creativity, then none of you should be able to paint, draw, think, <laughs> okay? So I think the problem is terminology again, and we keep coming back to terminology. And he didn't define what he, th he said by rest. But I could hear, I know Greg well enough to know he, he did it on purpose, and he knew that I'd have to deal with it. <laughs> Ron was there. Norman was there. Uh, they heard it. And to the extent it, it, it suggests that then we don't co-create, I just think that's wrong, period. Because Mo talks about in the concept of the plan, I sent Mo a message this morning. And I got a response, and here's, my, here's what I said to Mo. And we're going to go back and forth between these two topics. Good morning, friend. I have re-listened to your teaching from last week, and I'm wondering if you would expand on what you think is, quote-unquote, the plan. So Mo says in response, do you mean the distinction between my, our, or the story? And, I, and he says, I attempt to frame the omega point or the ending point of how the story culminates and where I believe we are headed in chapters 11 and 12 of my book, that's a plug by his book. We've got a couple of copies. But you'll definitely see a lot of questions instead of certainties because I'm still unsure of the details. I believe the plan involves a universal awakening to our oneness in Christ and in each other. Not just in Christ, but in each other. And Carol and I had a conversation this morning. If I see something in someone else, in the old days, I would have judged that. But today, it's like, that's where they're at. Lord, thank you for the light that's bringing illumination to that point or that place in their life. It's not a judgment. It's a, how can I help move them along on the path to further enlightenment? So he goes, um, the plan involves a universal awakening in our oneness in Christ and in each other, and that becomes the starting point of new creation realities to unfold in fullness. And then he goes, also, we move towards this culmination. Behold, I'm making all things new. 
I don't believe anything about our lives is meant to be scripted like a fixed blueprint we are living out. Finding God's will is not narrow or restricted or expected. Rather, I think we are meant to step into the fullness of our being, our true self, and see the infinite possibilities before us as our lives unfold. We might only see 2.2% of these realities now because most, we are mostly trained to believe that our senses or to, to believe what our senses tell us. But this is changing, though, as we learn to sense the Spirit. God of the possible, from God's perspective, is the, nature, is the future simply a blueprint that we are living out, or is there room for possibilities? See, when you say... God rested, and therefore there's nothing left to create. We've eliminated the possibilities. That's that theology that says you wound up the clock and just let it go. Yes. Okay. Yes, that's deism. Yep. So he goes, do you play chess? I played quite a bit growing up and learned to love it, but never spent enough time to master the game. I enjoyed playing against the Atari computer wizard. Anyone remember old school gaming? At the expert level, it would take 90 minutes for Atari to calculate a move. Why so long? Atari was computing every possible set of upcoming moves I might make and optimizing its response at every turn. This is what great chess players do. They, they anticipate 15 to 20 moves ahead, sometimes more, and plan their strategy accordingly. God, as a master planner, can anticipate every single possibility that can occur for every single person and every single circumstance in the entire universe, and then plan our appropriate, appropriate responses as if each possibility was a certainty. Does this make sense? Yeah, yes. and then that's how we know he always works things together for good. Yes, because he calculates all the possible outcomes. But I'm wondering, does he know what we're going to think? Well, only an infinitely wise being could do this. So what if God played chess? In keeping with the analogy, they would know every one of the nearly infinite possible moves and outcomes and plan their own moves so that ultimately they gain victory. They may know the outcome, but they can allow for any, any and all possibilities that lead to that outcome. They may even be surprised at some particularly brilliant move, even though they knew it was possible. So they know it's possible, but as Mary's saying, they might be surprised if you pick one. In other words, the game... Yes. Yeah, and it makes it makes for interesting possibilities because we can then let our minds release and go as opposed to locked in. In other words, the game is not a prescribed blueprint being played out, but a series of nearly infinite possibilities with a planned response to them all. So too with our lives, we are in a living, breathing, organic story that allows the mysterious collision of God's sovereignty. Now, Again, sovereignty from Aramaic is his unlimited potential of thoughts pouring out at us, leading us and driving, not driving us, moving us, stimulating us, as opposed to power. Right. And then, so our lives are a breathing organic story that allows the mysterious collision of God's sovereignty and man's free will without compromising either. It's 
So if he, if he gives us free will and he knows the potential outcome of our free will, and if the plan is to always bring us to the ultimate in unity and oneness, he knows how to, if you go to the left from, from the direct course, he knows how to bring you back to the right. He's, he's got to move. See, and, I, and I'll, I'll demonstrate. This is what I have believed my entire Christian walk is if this is the plan, this is where I am now, and this is the plan for unity to get to that point. If I go left, he's got a right turn to bring me back. And if I go left and left and left and left, he'll let me keep going left until I come around in a circle and get back to the plan. See, he's not intimidated by what I choose. That's, that's, the, that's part of the freedom we have is whatever choice I make, he's not intimidated by it and he's not rejecting me because of it. You there? You tracking? So, I'm tracking. Um, I'm processing. Okay. A thought's going through my mind that um, I lost it. I'll come back to it. Okay. I want to make sure you. I, I want to make sure you, everybody gets to ask whatever they want today. So, this is the beauty of God. If there's infinite possibilities, there's always a road back to the ultimate goal. There's always. He's always going to present us with a choice that takes us closer to the ultimate goal. I have to remind you of that story of Malcolm Smith uses about his favorite uh, GPS uh, thing from South Africa. He said it was very polite. That would go, when they would go off the track, it would say, really cute, it would say, okay, let's start from here. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah. So, okay, let's start from here. So I think that that's kind of that same image I get. Yes. My my decision-making process is infinite. I can I can process it through any paradigm I've created in my life till now. Yeah. My goal is to have my soul be in union with Papa so that I have less curves. Yes. <laughs> but, but the point of the matter is, Okay, well, we can go from here. And it's always headed towards that point. Yeah, and there's no condemnation there. That's why there's therefore no condemnation. Yes. Why we we don't live a life of regrets. Yes. I wish I hadn't because God has already calculated that into the game, and he's always working it together for good. Yeah, yeah. Sharon. Well, Sharon, hi. When I, like, sometimes have somewhere to go, like, I'll key in the address on my GPS, and it'll give me, like, three or four different routes, and I get to choose, do I want to take the most direct highway one, or do I want to take the long winding one, and I, a lot of times, will say, I want to take the long winding one, but I'm going to see so much more than if I would have taken the direct route. Right. All right, I'm going to tell this now. You just made me have to do this. What? When I was in Texas... This last couple week or a week ago, I got my rental car. I I typed in the address to the hotel in Weatherford, which was supposed to be fifty eight miles and or fifty eight minutes. It took me an hour and a half because I programmed the most scenic route without realizing it. Well, it's dark, so the only thing I got. <laughs> The the only thing I really got to see was the deer, the deer on the side of the road. And I thought, you know, those aren't really deer. Those are miniatures. <laughs> but I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to share that, but now you made me. But the, but 
the, but the point the point is, I had three options to choose from. I picked the first one that popped up, not realizing it wasn't the direct route. So sometimes we accidentally pick the scenic route. Yes. It's yes. Not like we planned it. It's just kind of. And, that's and, and you know what? I got there a half an hour later, but I still got there. Yeah, I, I think what I'm getting out of this is that it's okay if I apparently appear to me that I messed up. <laughs> yes. And that it's not as big a deal as I have been programmed to make it out to be. He's it's okay if we take the scenic route, the long route, even in the dark. <laughs> yes. It's okay. In the dark. <laughs> I care later when I'm taking the scenic route in the dark. Norman, you're right. It be the Western mindset where we got to do what we do in the West. We've got to get it done. Yeah, and, and and Carol knows me well enough to know that a few years ago, I would have been down on myself, moaning and groaning and, and saying some things about myself on that hour and a half. But you know what? It was okay. It was okay, Ron. You might have, I might have had you do that quickly because you might have missed something that you didn't want to go with. Might be. It's possible. Maybe not. Yeah. Maybe it was just a choice you made, and it's okay. We live with the choices we make. Yeah. I have, I have a, a recent, recent meaning, not like this week, but still within the few months, come to the conclusion that we are always in God's will. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's because we are co-creating. And our, and our goal is to, is to become in union. That's our, if you do that, now when you do that then, you, this whole thing about is this the will of God, yes it is. How do you know that? Because if you're in union, and of course that's okay, and you are, okay, even though, even though you might make little detours, okay, that's okay, you're still ultimately in union. That's the end game. So when you take a step and you're in the spirit, you, you know that's right. And then you take another step, you know that's right. Therefore, and I call it, actually call it a pop-up, okay? Like, okay, and then suddenly presented into your purview, in other words, in your life, is, a, is an option. In other words, like a person, a person or a situation will, will be there. And you do not have to then think about it to whether or not if that person happens to need healing, okay, you don't have to, well, I don't know. You know, or you know, let's get a committee together and try to figure out, or let me go, let me go pray about it for a weekend. You know, because if step one is in the in the will, step two is in the will. The pop is for you. It's your sphere and, of influence, and it's in your sphere of influence, and you are to take care of that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so and and it's uh, yeah. And 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 the thing is, you don't have to think about it. But we're not trained that way. We're trained to like, oh my gosh, and then you know. And then a month will go by. That's well, and, and if you back up to Tolstoy's comment about the, the, the assurance he has that the light is always there, mm -hmm. then, then it's okay. Assurance? Yeah. Yes, that the light is always the light. Yeah. Sharon, were you going to say something? Well, I, a little bit ago, um, I, and I brought this up before, I made a painting, and I didn't know what I was going to do, and we were in the like, prophetic art, so I didn't know because I don't see stuff. But I made a series of mistakes. Like, I'm like, I'll try this. And it's like, oh, that's the stupid thing. And it didn't work. 
But when I was done with that painting, every one of those mistakes made a depth and dimension to that picture that never would have been there because it would have been just flat, like a flat, you know what? But it, looking at it, you would go deep in. So it was interesting that every mistake actually made it better. Yeah, yeah. And I got back on track to where I was okay. when you were drawing that. The first came to mind that he works off things to our group. And I always thought of that as like, well, that's really screwed up. But God can make it good. But it really wasn't like, oh, that's a screw up. It's like, that's just part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. Ron, you had something? Yes. My last one. Until I come up with another. Until okay. I come up with another. Uh, is that <laughs> this week, possibly, I do not know if it's in response to the 31st. I don't know. I came with it, what I believe is a clear understanding uh, to a man represented by Adam and Eve during that time, okay? It says, uh, first off, we pretty much believe here that uh, man was allowed to name everything, okay? Well, that's a stretch for, for the evangelical church, okay? <laughs> I believe it's beyond that. I believe he co-created. In other words, in other words, it's like he was like, like well, uh, God gives them, here's 1,000 butterflies, now you get to name them. No. Then Adam comes up, or a man represented in that, also said, you know, this would be cool. And God, you know what God said? Yeah, it would be cool. And then they created another one. Okay? Now, that's what I just said there will get me thrown out of everywhere. <laughs> so, so somewhere in Proverbs, I think it's Proverbs, I can't remember, uh, in the, I think in the Message Bible, it talks about that. I daily delighted and danced with, in the beginning, I daily did wisdom, daily delighted and danced and, and danced. created the sons of God. Yeah. Create. Yeah, yeah. And, and let me let me take the, the GPS thing another step. On Friday, when I was in Texas, I was going to the memorial service for Janet Lixie's father-in-law, which is why I was in town. So I had to go. It was a 25-mile drive. So I call up GPS, and now I have two options. And in, in light of the night before, I'm thinking, okay, which one do I want, right? I picked the one with the most turns. And then I find out later, if I picked the other one, there was a major detour. Go figure, right? I mean, I was drawn to the one that had the most terms, turns, which I normally wouldn't pick. But it happened to be the fastest route that day, and I didn't even know it. And had you picked the other one, God would have worked it together for good. Yes. If you would have turned, made a turn, you would have had your sphere of influence, would have hit somebody that would have benefited. Yep. So it's like, yeah. you can't yeah. lose. Was it the first in the list of options? It was the second in the list of options. And then on the way back on Friday or Saturday to the airport, I program in the direct route because I want to get to the airport, right? I didn't realize that the direct route took me on a toll road and they don't take cash on this toll road. And I'm like four minutes from hitting the toll road and I go, I have this awakening. Um, you can't take the toll road. So I quickly opened my prog program up, turned off toll road, and then it added another 10 minutes to my drive. But if I'd have got on that toll road, th that car would have been ticketed and then they would have come back as a rental car on me. So... See, I mean, I had a sudden inspiration, and that's just walking all of this out, you know? And, and I'm good with that these days. I used to not be good with that. I'm getting better at it, let me put it that way. I'm not great with it yet, but I'm getting better. So let me go on and talk about more of what Mo was saying here. You know, God knows all things, and some of these are certainties, yet others are possibilities. 
Yet, because they know all possibilities, they can plan responses to each and every one in order to bring about that which they know as certainty. They know as certainty that in the end, love wins and unity prevails. That's a certainty. And that's the beauty is they're planning, no matter which choice we make, there is already a calculated response to get us to the union and the love prevailing. The victory of love is certain, yet possibilities along the way are endless. I see this framework of the future as as a way to reconcile their authentic emotions, grief, joy, surprise, anger. I don't see God faking these. And their genuine participation with us in our daily lives. And their confidence to entrust certain aspects of the future possibilities to humanity because of outcomes that they alone know and plan. So when we're co-creating with infinite possibilities, when something comes into our heart and we begin to meditate and imagine it, and then we begin to, to know that we know that we know and we speak it out, they've already planned for that potentiality. And so they're not surprised. So why are we surprised when something that we co-create comes, comes out, comes forth? Good or bad, right? I mean, good or bad in the concept. Why they're not surprised? Because they've already calculated the possibility. They're, they might be surprised that we chose that. They might be surprised, yes, but not the outcome, because but it's already been calculated. The outcome has been calculated, but they, they have allowed us the freedom to make those choices which road we want to take. Yes. Yes. Carol. So what I've been contemplating um, yesterday, today... In relation, because I'm back into my art room, I know the end. You know, you know where Scripture says He knew the end from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because I work from photographs, I know the end from the beginning. Now, how I get to that end is a different story. Because, you know, I may make a mistake, I may goof something up, and then I have to adjust. But I still get to the end. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a lot of unfinished pieces because I get to the end of them. But it's, it's a, and it doesn't matter if I goof up. It's still redeemed so yeah. far. Yeah, yeah. One way or another. Yeah. And every infinite possibility that God has created, which even takes into the, in, into the consideration potential mistakes, leads to good. Yeah. That's why I picked that last song today. <laughs> it leads to good. It is good. Every possibility of God is good. That transcends any judgment of badness on our part. Well, and it, it helps to erase that thought, at least for me, it was you've got to do it right. There's only one right way. And that, you know, that very narrow-minded way of living and doing things. And when you get off track, oh, shame on you. Uh, and then you carry all this with you, and you get to a point where you, you know, you become a perfectionist, and then you become paralyzed because you can't do it per- perfectly, and then you, you know, you just kind of like freeze up in your life. Mm-hmm. And you... Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. Whereas before, we we would have been afraid of the future because we didn't understand our role in in cooperating and creating possibilities. Now we have freedom. Okay, so let's check in online. Thoughts? 
Yes, I do have one. Okay, let's do it. Okay. I I think I've shared this this thought before. It was like a revelatory thought, the expansion of how, how big God is. And talking about back into the creation, and it was the thought that, yes, God created everything, and perhaps we ourselves do not know all that God did create. So at the though we, we talk about co-creating, we're really pulling out of God the things that already exist. There's nothing, there's nothing that we could do that it has that He has not created, is what I believe, because it's bigger than what we think, in the fact that you know God told us to have dominion on the earth, to multiply, and we've gotten more and more and more of us. And I believe that all people at some point in time will all bow bow the knee for God, God said that in his word. But at that point, that's not, I always thought, well, what now? It's just like I used to think when you go to heaven, what now? Like, you know, the old religion thinking. Yeah. When, when every knee shall bow, okay, now what? And that used to press on my mind, and I used to dwell and think about that. And God says, then there will be more. There will be more than I tell you about. I can't explain it to you because it's too much for you right now. But after that point, I believe there's more. Yeah. And there might be more. And it just, God is infinite that way. Like there's things that we have no idea. <laughs> so I think he's a lot bigger than what we're talking about sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's God. That's mm-hmm. a thought. It doesn't mean that's so, but it's just a revelatory thought that I, I had one day that pressed on my mind and never left. I think that's good. <laughs> so, you know, cell phones and, and all this technology was already in God. Yes, I was just going to go there. Way back then, and then man finally caught up to it. In times of prophecies of, of, you know, the old prophets have prophesied things that can be interpreted as new technology. Yes. I mean, it's yeah. just they were able to see something that wasn't even, didn't even exist yeah. yet. In their yeah. yeah, I mean, one of the easiest examples of what Carol just said was the incandescent light bulb. Yeah. Thomas Edison. He saw the light bulb. He saw the function and utility of the light bulb. But nobody had ever done it before. Where did the concept of the light bulb come from? It came from the God who, let's take Greg's position, was at rest, but had already conceived of the possibility Okay, and I'm not throwing Greg under the bus because Greg and I we just disagree on some aspects of quantum, and he knows that, and I know that, and so we have fun bantering back and forth. Okay, so Thomas Edison is inspired. He gets this thought, and somewhere it locked into his imagination, right? Because if it didn't, he'd have given up long before the victory. But what did, what did he see? He saw how it was built. He saw how it was to be constructed. He didn't have the, f- the fullness of the revelation of the filament at that moment. But through trial and error, he had that revelation, and it manifested. And look what happened to the world. Alexander Graham Bell on the telephone. I go back to these earlier ones because those were revolutionary Things the cell phone is a it's a revolutionary thing in a sense that telephones weren't new, but these little things that you could carry around that function off a battery and speak to and and I mean that was a new thing. So I think the infinite possibilities 
are, are already, if as Moll said, they're already in the heart of God. The infinite co-creative capacity of man is in the heart of God and in the, in the heart of man. And when they come together, that's when that revelation explodes. And I just think that's awesome. The hope for the future, if the hope for the future is the plan ultimately ends up in love winning and the union of, of man and God to the fullness exists, why shouldn't we be happy about the future? Carol. Well, if, but if we, are, if we are seeing end times, sure, that limits our ability to see beyond. How so? See the possibilities. Because we are all just kind of going, well, someday we're all just going to be raptured. Is that focus? Yeah, that's our focus. Yeah. And we're not focusing on, well, there, there are multiple problems, so to speak, in this world on our earth. So there must be multiple solutions, and there are multiple people who will come up with these solutions because of Christ in them, as, as union begins to be a yeah, thing, as union, those revelations will start coming and the solutions will start falling out. And they'll start coming out. faster and well, faster. Yeah. Yeah. And look how fast the information, you know, it grew mm -hmm. exponentially. Just think, once this gets going, mm -hmm. it's going to... And if it's true that knowledge will increase in the end times, then... That is the solution. The solution will become yes. faster and faster. Knowledge will increase because the understanding of their union with with Papa mm -hmm. is increasing, mm -hmm. and the more direct that is, the more knowledge that you can express mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. creativity. Yeah, Ron. Just uh, uh, dovetail off of Carol. Oh, she mentioned the uh, uh, rapture, uh, and of course that 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 belief in that system. Okay, they view uh, technology totally different, okay, uh, they actually fear it, okay, to, to, to some degree because they, they look at technology rather than, look at this device that can figure out where you are, so if you have a heart attack, it's like someone can get there like lickety-split to look at what they can do to you, okay, and therefore we need that, you know, so it's like, it's like, I'm telling you, the view of that, that one thing that got into the evangelical church, which is the that end time, uh, it totally skews their view of so many things, mm -hmm. including technology. Mm -hmm. And co-creation. Mm -hmm. it, it stifles them. It makes them, why bother? Yeah. Why bother trying to co-create anything? We're going to get whisked away yeah. anyway, so big deal. So let's take what we're talking about, bring it down to our individual lives. What is this saying to us today? What are you getting out of this today? I'm getting get live an abundant life. Absolutely step into it full bore and do everything because you, you can't make a mistake. Can't make a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Gary? She just said it. I mean, if you how would you live your life um, if you knew you could make no mistakes? Right. Um, there was a book written many years ago by a guy who started a conglomerate. Uh, it turned out to be uh, rather unromantic, but it was a, a, one of the largest uh, refuse collection com companies in the nation. And uh, he wrote a book called No Fear of Failure. Mm. And the premise was that. What would you do with your life if you had no fear of failure? Right. But more importantly, what would you do if you knew there was no failure? Yeah. 
But anything you did was simply taking you on that path to where God intended you to be. Anyway, what, what would you do? What would you do on a daily basis? How would that change your life? I had I had my back to you, and I was writing that word fear on the board just as you were talking. And look at that. Amen. Yeah, Sharon. Well, uh, the the lady who owns Spandex, uh, her dad every day, her and her brother, when they came, they always had family meal at the table, and every day her dad asked this question: "What did you fail at today?" And the intent was he wanted to train them up that failure meant they were actually expanding and growing and learning. So he wanted to know what they tried that they failed at and what did they learn over it. Wow. And that was his whole emphasis wow. through their whole life. Wow. And completely different than my mindset. But like she's very like it's her the whole company is she runs her company that way too. Like you're expected to try and fail because that's how growth happens. Mm. Right? That's good. So yeah. so it's the lack of fear of failure. It's not the lack of failure, it's the lack of fear when I if we fail. Right. See, if that's what kept Thomas Edison going. He's like, okay, I've just eliminated another option. Option that doesn't work. I've just found another one that doesn't work. If there are infinite possibilities, if the plan provides for us to make choices, and even if there's a failure of the moment, the plan gives us another option, we should be able to eliminate fear from our life. How powerful is that? We just started talking about that. It's, a, it's an understanding, too, that that, that that whole concept of fear is what you've, what you've developed in your imagination. It's, mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the movie that's playing all the time, but the real you, if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, then there are no mistakes, there are no problems, there are no obstacles, there's, there's nothing because mm -hmm. you're in, in union with Him. So it's a matter of understanding that you're observing what's going on, but that's not the real you. What you perceive as a failure is, is not. It's what you, I'm not getting it out right, but it's what this mind is telling you is a failure. And in reality, it's not. Mm -hmm. So I perceive... No, hang on, Valerie. I think um, also that you need to be rooted in who you are and your identity. Mm -hmm. Because I think we've all had ideas of, oh, well, that'd be a great idea. Well, who am I to do that? Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Someone else will think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Carol. I'm going to say, so a perceived failure can be a stepping stone toward success. Mm -hmm. But if we see it as a failure and... Uh, and if we, if we see it as a failure and start nursing that failure as our identity, we're not going to take a risk anymore. Right. We're not right. going to make choices. Stop us. Yeah. Right. So when we so let it stop us, that's when we... Failure is kind of like just not meeting our expectations. So True. then it kind of goes back to that tree of good and the knowledge of good and evil. That happens in art. <laughs> a mm. lot. It's like, I don't... Proceed because I have tried this a couple of times and I just can't make it look the way I want. So it's like this failure, two failures, and I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how does this shape our relationships with others? Oh. <laughs> oh. Because if it, because Mo says we we we've trans trans 
transmitted from me, or not, I don't know what the word, we went from me to us to the plan. That means something has got to shift in our perspective about others. How does this whole concept of infinite possibilities translate into our relationships? We have to realize what our goal is in this. Our goal is not to fulfill the happiness for us as much as to help other people understand that they can be happy. And so to bring the gospel, the good news of union and no fear into other people, people who are in our sphere of influence. And so that's how it relates. If we're so full of fear that we don't make a move, we're never going to try and help somebody else see what a full life you can live when you're safe in union with Christ. You, you will just stay in a little box. And I also think that the word that's coming to me is community. It's not just me um, enjoying the goodness of God. It's us enjoying seeing the goodness of God. It's us being free from fear. It's us. Not just me, but it's us. Because if I just am concerned about me and my welfare, then I'm not in community. But I need, I, I, you know, my concern is for your welfare, and your welfare, and your welfare, and it, it, it's us as a community. It's not just me, myself, and I. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Well, well, it's, the union. You're, it's the union you're mm-hmm. talking about. Like yeah. We have this, co- we have this co-shared experience. Yeah. Gary. Yeah. The goal is unity. Yeah. The end goal is, is unity, and the Word talks about that before we all come into the unity of the faith. The churches compartmentalize that if that's us, that's the right. church, that's not everyone else out there. Right. The goal is unity, period. Yep. Uh, and the universe, they're now finding, is a cooperative universe, mm-hmm. not an antagonistic one. So it's not about competition, yeah. it's about unity, it's yeah. about sharing responsibility. So the end goal, to me, is unity. Yeah. Run. I um, uh, I look at other people regardless of where they are at and their understanding as part of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That and 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 it's it's not just about us helping others to awaken to the union and oneness, but it's also helping to create an environment where they can awaken. For example. Sharon is in a profession right now that helps people find a place where they can be comfortable in their living. That then, as their comfort level increases, that opens the door for the possibilities now because they're not stressed about food, clothing, and shelter, so to speak. Okay, The basic needs begin to get met, and then they can now turn their, their focus off of the basic needs being met and start looking at what's next, what's the future possibilities. And, and so when, what we do in relationship then in our, in our contacts with others, Norman creates on the job. He, you know, he, he doesn't necessarily snap his fingers and it comes together, but by assembling things and working on things, that's a creative process that then translates into someone's work environment, which then lets them begin to relax because the things they need for a work environment are there, and then their mind can start to go. 
into possibilities. And so what we do in our, on, on, on what some would describe as tedium in our lives, it's really not. It is something that impacts everybody. It would be like Mo would say, the butterfly effect. Yes. Yes, the butterfly effect. That's where we're at, I think. And what happens, I think it increases compassion we have for those who aren't as aware yet. Okay, instead of judging, judging them as, gee, they're never going to get it. It's never like, it. oh Lord, look at what look at what's happening in our lives, knowing that you're also working in theirs. See, and it it becomes it becomes a perspective of compassion and mercy that Jesus had. I mean, Jesus had compassion and mercy for the masses. That's where he did his healing from. That's where he did his his freedom acts from and that's where he did his creativeness from is the compar- the, the compassion and mercy because he saw the potential okay if i you know if this person gets healed that's going to accelerate their timeline so to speak of awakening yeah. and, and so I, I i i just feel like we're just on the cusp of just boom explosion you know of things and I'm excited. I, I, you know, a lot, that that sense of of unsettledness the last couple of days is going away as we talk. For me, it it just it yeah, I can see the see where God's going now. He's it's just like okay, make a choice. Don't judge it. Just make a choice. Norman. So I've had this thought going through my head for the last 15 minutes: the separation theology and cessation theology is putting a limit on God. <laughs> You're totally limiting where not, the creative process is not really going to work. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah, it locks me into I, I'm not creative. So yeah, you're right. It puts a limit on it. It puts a limit on the experiencing of the of the limit unlimited possibilities, because now I'm locked in a box. I think the cessation theology is where all the gifts were ended when. Last disciple died, mm-hmm. and that's not true. You're right. You're right. And and as we talk about this, we've never we've never pushed God out of this equation. He's in the center of it. Oh, exactly. God is in the center of this equation. He is the source. Yes. Like you can really see that now. You know, you can really see like in a science fiction kind of a sense. You know, those movies where they have uh, you know these big spaceships, and in the middle is this big fusion something or other that's just kicking out the power and that's kind of how it is with our relationship I think it's just yeah. he is source for yeah. sure that's a cool picture to see that in here yeah that fusion that engine. fusion or that mm-hmm. crystal whatever yeah, it is the crystals and they always come up with all this all stuff all the wisdom comes out always of it. red you know flashing stuff it's, it's <laughs> in here and we can Access it. Yeah. So then coming back to this, like when Popovich was talking about just Thanksgiving, you know, that's really just a reset in a sense that, that it keeps us in, in tune to the potential of, of the unlimited possibilities. You know, because if, if I'm in Thanksgiving, I'm in gratitude, it's really hard to become critical and judgmental then. Um, and so, because I think critical, judgmental, those kinds of things, 
move us into a limitation of, of experiencing the unlimited impossibilities of helping to co-create. I just think that does it. And I, you know, and as I, as I think through this and walk through this and experience this with God today, you know, I'm just even more convinced that we are co-creative. You know, in the last hour, I just felt even more convinced just because as we, as we draw these threads into a, into a mosaic picture, so to speak, it just shows how big things are and, and it's not too big for us. I mean, that's the other side of it. It's not too big for us. You know, we all, we all fit. Ooh, there are no misfits. We all fit. All right. Any thoughts from anyone else? I, I don't know if there's much more to cover today. Anyone here? Anyone online? Any last minute thoughts? Because I think it puts a whole other light on the on politics. Because now instead of getting distressed, which I don't have a tendency to do anyway, but somebody might, um, these are opportunities for the sons of um, are for the sons of God. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I think that's really gonna. That's now you start to look for that. For the manifestation of the sons of God, yeah. because you see, like Mo said last week, it's like that's what we're seeing. Not to freak out because we see a lot of problems. It's just that these things are now being exposed, and now we can see them. Yes, what they are. But that also means that the sons of man, our sons of God, are in position to display some very creative, co-creative solutions for these things, which mm-hmm. is an exciting time. Really. Yeah, I think so. I think that people people now are are there's so much changing going on in the earth even even the earth itself with all the the floodings and and uh, everything's moving everything's moving and the people that you know you talk about the quantum and how people understand scientifically about how things really work and but they're missing that one that one very important element which is God, and they'll often call him the source, they'll call him something else, whatever, but they're missing that quality that God has that he wants to, um, that, that comes from within. And that's the part that I think the manifested sons of God will have to pre- proclaim to people and show people that missing little element, which is not little, but it's, it, it puts everything together. And once they can understand that, then things will change, perhaps that will be the job that we have to do and doing it through love, doing it through um, uh, understanding and wisdom. And uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Good comment. Very good. Anyone else? Well, father, we thank you for today. This has been an interesting dialogue and we're, we're greatly encouraged by what you've shown us and what you continue to show us. And we're greatly encouraged by the peace that these kinds of conversations bring to our heart. Because in that, in that place of peace, we're, we're more open to the infinite possibilities that come our way that we can participate in. And so we give you thanks. We give you praise. We're mindful of those who, who are struggling today, even from our own group with, with emotions, um, from things that are happening in their lives. But we, sp- we speak light and life to them right now because we see them in union with us. So they're in, union in, in their union and oneness with us, our light, our life, our peace, our joy that you've given us flows into them as well. Whew. And we just see them rising up 
into, into the fullness of the manifestation of, of those concepts, those aspects, those qualities. And we just praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.